You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. So looking forward to preaching the Word uh, and getting into the Word this morning. We've already had a crazy week this week. If you are part of the Gateway Church, uh, like Pastor Rocky mentioned at the start of service, we had some people who were part of Women's Game Night last night. We had some men who were at our men's retreat on Friday or maybe even Thursday through Saturday and even had a missions team away in Jolo, West Virginia this week. And so, man, if you're here, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, And if you're new or visiting, uh, now you know some of what's going on at the church. But I'm Pastor Bobby, and just thank you so much for uh, visiting. Uh, Thank you guys. If you've brought a friend that you trust us uh, to be a place, uh, a safe place for them, we just thank you. Um, I'm so excited uh, to preach the word. I know I've said that a lot, um, but uh, Pastor Ben and Logan are away doing a little bit of a kind of senior trip, a senior adventure for him, and I am so excited that I get to wrap up uh, this series in the life of Joseph. And it's actually been a joke around the church, and I've heard it a few times before I even preached first service, that I am known as the closer, which is the most underwhelming superhero who has the unique ability or power to wrap up a sermon series, I guess. So uh, the way I view it, though, is I'm, I'm essentially Batman uh, without the cape or the gadgets or the money. Um, but I am so grateful that Pastor Ben uh, just trusts me to take all of these thoughts from our last several messages and even our past several series uh, to bring them to a focal point and bring them to a close, especially here today. We've been looking at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis and have examined and studied uh, several character tests that Joseph went through in order to achieve his purpose. So while this series is called The Test, uh, it really is a series of several tests that Joseph faced throughout his lifetime. And these tests, they give us insight into obstacles and trials that we all might face in our own lives. And we know that all these tests we face help us to discover our purpose for being here on earth, right? And we talk about purpose a lot here at the Gateway Church. A purpose can be a general thing, like uh, the purpose of mankind is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. Or we even have our own purpose here as a church, uh, which is to connect people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. You know, purpose can be general or it can be specific, too, in our Get Connected class that Pastor J.B. talked about. Uh, We take time to look at your individual skills and abilities and spiritual gifts to discover how your passions and your pain and your proficiency all align as a way to discover your individual purpose here on earth. And so if you're curious about discovering what your purpose is, Get Connected might be a good place for you to start. But purpose, it just isn't about what we do, and it just isn't about our vocation either. Purpose might uh, be a general thing, it might be a specific thing, and it might even be a temporal thing. You know, on Friday, uh, Pastor Jamie also talked about we're having our vision and appreciation night. It's also, if you didn't know this, it's my birthday, and I'm convinced that this whole event is just a very strategic and secretive Trojan horse situation for a surprise party. But if it is... Don't spoil it for me. I don't want it spoiled. I want to come and I want to be, ex- uh, I want to be surprised. My expectations are high. And so I'm really looking forward to that surprise party, guys. But on Friday, we're going to talk about our overall purpose as a church and how that will impact us as we go into the fall. And we don't have a purpose as a church, I don't know if you know this, without you. Because you are why we exist. You are the church. And so obviously we want you to be there on Friday. 
And if you didn't know, we will have childcare. So we want you to bring the whole family. And it doesn't matter if you serve or where you serve, we just want you to be there. Because purpose is important, right? When thinking about all these tests that we've been talking about for the last three months, they wouldn't mean anything if Joseph didn't have a purpose. These tests would just be random events that happen in some random guy's life. Without knowing the end of Joseph's story, that's kind of what they sort of feel like. So discovering a purpose, it gives us a sense of why life is important, why trials need to be endured, and it gives us an overall direction to strive for as we live to be more like Jesus. So this is the last test that Joseph faces, and we'll call it the purpose test. How did Joseph's life make a difference? How did all those trials ultimately give God the glory? And how can we make sure that all of the trials and obstacles and tests that we face ultimately do the same as well? What's fun is I'm about to start teaching uh, my very first college course here in the fall in a few weeks at North Point Bible College. And, and so when thinking about tests or when thinking about examinations, uh, my mind immediately goes to questions, right? When you think about taking a test at school. So here are three questions that are asked of us regarding our purpose. And just remember these three things. Will, what, and who. So can you say those with me? Will, what, who. Oh, good job. You guys are crushing it this morning. 100%. I'm feeling like Abbott and Costello up here. This is awesome. Ah, some of you got that. The first question is, will we learn from our other tests? Will we learn from our other tests? It's like a frustrated parent or spouse or maybe a frustrated pet owner, right? Like, ah, uh, will they ever learn not to play ball in the house, eat an entire tube of cookie dough, eat spicy food after 6 p.m. You know, like I, I'm seeing some people out here with PTSD, so I'm guessing you understand what I'm talking about. But the first thing we learned from Joseph's story is that we all face tests. And here are Joseph's tests. Joseph faced the pride, pit, palace, purity, prison, power, prosperity, pardon, and purpose tests. Yeah, right? Try saying that five times fast. Pride, pit, palace, purity, prison, power, prosperity, pardon, and purpose test. Pride, pit, palace, purity, prison, power, prosperity. Yeah, I'm, it's too hard. It's too hard. It cannot be done. Peter Piper ain't got nothing on the test series. Maybe these tests have really spoken to you. Maybe uh, you have needed to ask yourself how well you steward your money or, or if you need to forgive someone or, or how well you handle having power and authority or what happens when you face adversity. These are the tests that Joseph faced. For those of you who haven't been through the series or, or maybe don't know Joseph's story, here is a little brief summation of his life and the tests we covered throughout the summer. And so I'm going to read through Joseph's story or talk through Joseph's story and I'll let you know where the tests are along the way. Joseph was his father's favorite son, and as a young age, he had a dream where all of his brothers were bowing down to him. And you could maybe say this was a little bit of a pride test. And you know older brothers. Like, older bros do what older bros do. And so they threw him into a pit and ultimately sold him into slavery, which is the pit test. And so Joseph prospers as a slave, making his way up the ranks through the palace test, but then is asked to have an affair with his slave's master's wife. He passes this purity test, but she ends up falsely accusing him of rape, and he is thrown into jail. 
But then the same dreams that get Joseph thrown into the pit earlier get him out of this prison test because Joseph helps reveal the meaning of dreams to a couple of the cellmates who were closely with Pharaoh in Egypt. The Pharaoh himself has one of these dreams interpreted and is so impressed that he doesn't just free Joseph, but he makes him the second in command over the whole country. And this is where he faces the power test. From this dream interpretation, Joseph helped the country through, the fam through a famine by setting aside some of the country's wealth in the prosperity test. And Joseph ends up meeting his brothers again after all of these years apart, and they don't recognize him because it has been so many years since they've seen each other. One of Joseph's last tests is whether or not he is going to forgive his brothers. And this is the pardon test. It helps a lot when you have a script. Um, and whenever you can separate the peas, let me tell you. So, but these are all the tests that Joseph faced. And they are located in Genesis 37 through 50. If you want to read them on your own, it'll take a little longer than that brief summation. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe you're a speed reader. Um, but all of these other tests that Joseph faced uh, led to his purpose test. All of these things in his life happened so that he could save his family from famine and bring them into the nation of Egypt. So maybe some of these tests have really spoken to you. And maybe, let's say quite frankly, some of them haven't. You know, maybe you haven't been sold into slavery by your older siblings or spent time in the clink. Maybe you never interpreted someone else's dreams. Maybe you never struggled to honor God with your money. Or maybe you've never really battled forgiving someone after a bad betrayal. Just remember, these tests in Joseph's life, they're just examples of tests that all of us face every single day. So I want to ask you, how are you doing at passing some of those tests? Maybe you didn't do so well at the uh, get my children ready for church test this morning as you yelled at them because they were making you run late for service. Or maybe you're taking the uh, watch church from home test today and realize that you're only listening to about half the words I'm saying. Yeah, I'm talking to you out there. I know you've been eating your cereal, but it's time to look up and pay attention. Maybe you uh, will struggle a little later passing that driving test. And no, I'm not talking about failing to parallel park like you did when you were 16. But by getting road rage, by tailgating the person in front of you, uh, you know, and obviously for no reason, um, on your way home or out to eat after service. And almost everything we do is a test in some way. It tests our loyalty. It tests our priority. It tests our love. It tests our commitment. Everything we do and every decision we make is a test of our desires. But the purpose test just doesn't ask, will we learn from our other tests? But it also asks, you don't remember? Ooh, I heard someone. What? Ah, all right, let's try it again. Ah, there we go. Ah, you weren't paying attention. Uh, what are our real desires? If you have any question about Joseph's priorities, what he loved or, or what motivated him, the answers are revealed in his decision-making. That's the beautiful thing about this story and about many other stories in the Old Testament. One of my favorite things about the Old Testament, and I'm going to nerd out for a little bit, so just brace yourself, is the way that God tells stories. And if you've ever wondered why the Bible is timeless, this is actually something we talk about, uh, that I've talked about in one of our connect groups uh, that I've led a couple times called How to Better Understand the Bible. And I'm excited that our connect groups are launching again. Soon in a few weeks, though, we're taking a break on that one. Um, but I want you to be look at, on the lookout for a couple of the other groups we'll be launching. But 
like I said, you might be asking, but Pastor Bobby, that doesn't explain like why Old Testament stories are so timeless. Fair enough, I get it. Old Testament stories are so complex and timeless because they're so simple. This is because of a writing style known as Jewish meditation literature. And it is completely opposite from how we understand and appreciate stories today. And I promise, I promise, if you pay attention to this one little nugget for just a little bit, it'll revolutionize the way you read and understand Old Testament narratives. But let's look at a second at stories today. What I love about stories today is that they are so complex, that authors do such a good job of weaving in a character's motives and intentions that, so that we can get in their mind and feel what they feel and understand what their motives and intentions are. You know, one of the reasons that I love the, the books and the movies of the Hunger Games trilogy is because of how Suzanne Collins, how she really gets into the mind of Katniss Everdeen. You can feel Katniss's paranoia and really feel her second-guessing every decision she makes. Because every choice that Katniss makes in the Hunger Games, every person Katniss trusts is literally a life or death decision for her. You know, these are the stories that we're used to. These are the movies that we watch. And because uh, they are told to us in this way, we can sometimes find the Old Testament maybe a little dry or boring because it is written in a different period and in a different way. Jewish meditation literature, however, it is left intentionally and purposefully vague. Very rarely will you ever know someone's intentions. And if you do, it has tremendous purpose. So, for example, we're going to look at Joseph's story in Genesis 37.4. It says that when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. But why is this important to the story? How does this help the story along? It's because Joseph's brothers were the sons of Jacob's first wife, Leah, where Joseph was the son of Rachel. And it says in Genesis 29 that Leah herself wasn't loved and was hated by Jacob. So what we see is how Jacob's hate towards Leah was transferred onto her children, and it was the same hatred that ultimately made Jacob lose the son that he loved the most. And this favoritism, what's weird, is it's something that was transferred to Jacob himself from his own parents, that they played favorites between him and his twin brother Esau. So from this one little phrase, this one little verse about Joseph's brothers hating him, we were taken into three generations and shown how playing favorites impacts generations. But think about the rest of Joseph's story. It's pretty vague, right? Like, let's think back to that second question. What are our real desires? You know, sometimes we like to think that we would behave a certain way, that, that we would do a certain things, or we tell ourselves that we would act like Joseph if, if we were in his shoes. But this is why Jewish meditation literature... This is where it comes into play. And this is why Joseph's story is left vague in so many places. See, Jewish meditation literature leaves details blank so that we can read our own intentions, desires, uh, and motives into a character's story. You know, it often says that when you read the Bible, it's actually the Bible reading you. So when we're told that Joseph told his brothers about his dream, should lead us to asking questions like, why did Joseph tell his brothers that they would bow down 
and, and, and worship him? Or, or, or would I have done the same thing if I were him? Or maybe you don't even have to ask those questions. Maybe you're just like, Joseph, why did you do that? Didn't you realize you would be thrown into a pit? Didn't you realize that they didn't like you? See, it's in these moments of inner dialogue when we're reading these stories and really questioning that God is trying to tell us something about ourselves. So if you're asking Joseph why he would do something stupid like share his dream with his brothers, what you might be revealing is your own worry and anxiety of sharing your own dreams and your own desires. Or it could be that you have a fear of saying what you think God might be speaking to you because you're worried about being wrong. But think about it. If this is really a dream from God, why wouldn't Joseph share it? Or think of Potiphar's house where Joseph was a slave. Joseph is accused of raping his master's wife after he tells her he doesn't want to have an affair with her. You know, we're, we're not really told anyone's motives in the story, and so we kind of have to ask ourselves why Potiphar's wife would do what she did. But we're really, uh, when we're doing that, we're really asking what would cause us to make that same decision that she made. And so we're sh so, uh, shown our own shadow side through the lens of Potiphar's wife. Or we might be asking Joseph, why didn't he just tell his master right off the bat about what happened? Or why didn't he just sleep with her? And no one would ever find out about it. And again, we reveal our own hearts and desires by asking why these people are doing what they're doing throughout the story. And I think especially of last week's message that Pastor Jamie shared with us, that Joseph finally sees his brothers who, are, uh, who sold him into slavery after being separated uh, from them, and he tests whether their hearts have really been repentant. And if you're reading the story, you should be wondering to yourself what Joseph is doing. Like, that after the betrayal of being sold into slavery, spending years in prison, Joseph was just so quick to let it all go. He was overjoyed when he saw his family. I mean, he broke down and wept. And when you read his reaction, how does that make you feel? What does that make you feel? Because that reaction might show you who you need to forgive in your own life. So think through these tests that Joseph faced and ask yourself, would you have responded the same way? What were Joseph's or his brother's or Jacob's or Potiphar's or Pharaoh's motives when they made these decisions? Because these tell us our own motives and desires. So what, mo uh, what, uh, so what does Joseph's story and its tests tell you about your dreams and your desires? That's the second question the purpose test asks us. It asks will, what, and Ah, now you're paying attention. To discover our purpose, we need to ask whether we will learn from our other tests. We need to know what our desires are, and we need to ask who will get the glory. I think that answer might change for people depending on where they're at in Joseph's story. And think about it, because let's be honest, the first three quarters of Joseph's life kind of seems like a complete and utter failure. You know, are we thanking God or thinking he's in control when we see Joseph sitting in a pit or getting thrown after, uh, into prison after making Potiphar prosperous? Are we thinking God is part of the story as Joseph waits in prison after years of interpreting dreams for those in Pharaoh's court? You know, if we were Joseph, would we think God were in control in that moment? Would we be thanking him through these tests and trials? Or maybe we need to turn around and even look at it another way. 
When God gets Joseph out of the pit and he finds himself in Potiphar's palace, does God get the glory then? Or would we take the credit? When Joseph is second in command over the whole country of Egypt, if we were him, would we think that was due to our own merit, our own fortune, or or dumb luck? Do we see God's hand working through Joseph's life in both the good and the bad? You know, it makes me think of a story here at the Gateway Church that about a year and a half ago, we hosted an event with our friends over at Positive Options in Grand Haven, and they told us about a class that they did to help churches become a safe place uh, for women who have either had or were considering uh, abortions. And so they were telling us about this class, and we decided to host it here at the church. And from there, one of our attendees, Rachel Marr, I don't know if you know her, she felt like God was asking her to start a ministry here at our church around walking with women who are facing unexpected pregnancies. And so we launched this ministry called Embrace Grace last spring. But after hearing some of the needs in our community and seeing what some of the other churches in the area were doing, Rachel and the church decided that we would do something this fall to minister to single mothers and young mothers as they navigate what motherhood looks like in a tough world. And so this is why we're now talking about getting involved uh, with Embrace Life. If you've seen, there's a little paper uh, next to your seat or maybe on your seat that you moved when you got here. See, this was something that God invited us to be a part of and put on our hearts here at the church over a year and a half ago. Think about that. Because then an announcement happened on June 24th, 2022. Roe was overturned, and all of a sudden... All of the eyes of the world look to the church in anger, in celebration, in hurt, in confusion, or or maybe in jubilation. And in the wave of emotions, one thing became clear, and that was that the church needed to step up. That if the members of the Church of America were were proclaiming they were pro-life, that they needed to show that they cared for life out of the womb as much as they cared for it in the womb as well. And so here we are. We're launching a ministry for single moms, for young moms and unexpected mothers in the fall. And I couldn't have planned that. Like Rachel couldn't have planned that. Pastor Ben couldn't have planned that. It was completely impeccable and perfect timing. And regardless of what you think about the decision that happened on June 24th, this is our present reality. And Embrace Life is answering and meeting a need that we didn't even know would be so huge today. And so if you want to be a part of answering this need in our community, you can get involved by simply offering to cook a meal one night throughout the fall. And you can sign up for that or get involved with that uh, by signing up out in the lobby or taking that uh, little piece of paper home, looking it over and praying about if God wants you to get involved. But this ties in with Joseph's story, doesn't it? He had no clue when he was thrown into this pit that it would lead him into one of the highest positions in the land of Egypt. Joseph couldn't have planned that. So when Joseph tells his family that he is, in fact, their brother that they sold into slavery, listen how from this point on he gives God the glory because he knows it has nothing to do with him. Look at every place that God is mentioned in these verses As we open up Genesis chapter 45 and look at verses 4 through 9, this is what it says. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, 
There's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. And what I love is that this isn't just Joseph's purpose, that, that God isn't just fulfilling Joseph's dream. This story, like Embrace Life, it is bigger than even Joseph. This moment at the end of Joseph's life is actually God answering a promise that he made generations earlier to Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham. Listen to this promise and think of how God brought all of these things together just a few generations later in the life of his great-grandson. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, The Lord said to Abram or Abraham, Go from your country, from uh, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into what? A great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will what? You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And you know what? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, what we find in Joseph's story is how Abraham's one son, Isaac, has transformed into a whole clan, soon to be a nation, by the end of the book of Genesis, and how now Abraham's heir, Joseph, is becoming a blessing to the whole world by saving them through a famine like the world has never seen before. The promise given to Abraham generations earlier is now coming to fulfillment as this story ends. And this isn't just a story of the past, but this is also one for the future as well, because Joseph said it was God who sent their family to the land of Egypt. And if you've been with us for the past year, you know how the Israelites ended up getting enslaved by these same Egyptians until God frees them through the parting of the Red Sea. We went through the whole book of Exodus as a church over the past year. See, Joseph didn't know that his encouragement to his brothers would actually be a reminder for generations to come that God was the one who orchestrated them going to Egypt in the first place. So when Jewish families look back on Egypt, they need to not do so with contempt. It should be a reminder that we are all complicated and complex people who are living in complicated and complex places, that no people group, no community, or place is all evil or too far gone from God's grace. I, don't want, to, I want to invite the worship team to join me this morning. And, why, and I want you to think through these questions that appear on the purpose test. There's just three of them, so I, I, I don't think it would take too long to look at them. Let's take a moment and ask ourselves, if we will learn from these tests we face, if we will examine our wants and desires, and if we are ultimately recognizing God's hand at work in our lives and giving him the glory in our trials, in our tests, with our purpose and success. Maybe you need to ask yourselves one more question this morning as well. Maybe you need to ask yourself, what is my purpose? 
Joseph's story, it always speaks to me because it reminds me so much of my own story. I got arrested for breaking into a friend's house on August 30th, 2003. Um, It was a stupid decision that me and some friends made and it changed my life forever. And I remember when we got caught and when my parents found out, I remember sitting in the living room and just sobbing at the disappointment it caused them and what it would mean for my future. Would I go to jail? Would this eliminate me from going to college? Would would I ever gain my parents' trust again? How am I going to tell my coaches? Honestly, in that moment, I thought my life was over. So I picture Joseph in the pit or in prison, and I'm sure he was asking some of the same or similar questions. And even worse, he was innocent. He did nothing wrong. And I remember in that moment recognizing what it meant to be a sinner, knowing I needed a miracle, I needed a savior, and letting go of what little control I had and making a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. And so every year on August 30th, I remember one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life. And on August 31st, I remember how that terrible decision led to the greatest decision I could ever make to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, to give him my life, and to follow after him and never look back again. And who could have ever thought that God would use a juvenile delinquent to share the gospel. That God would put a parole officer in the courtroom that day uh, who was a preacher and, and that he would compel the judge to give me the lowest possible sentence. Just from that alone, my life is forever changed. And it's a reminder that even the tests we fail can still lead to something beautiful. It's a reminder that no one is too far gone. You know, and I can tell you about, um, as a kid, our family went through bankruptcy during the recession and how it felt like Joseph's story of sustenance through the famine. And I can tell you how God has me sing and preach and teach for a living when I had to go to speech therapy for years in elementary school. I can tell you about the discouraging experience I had serving in my first ministry role, but how through that I found my wife and the love of my life. But at that moment, I didn't know why those things were happening to me. I didn't understand what was happening as I was getting arrested. I didn't understand God's purpose through everything when I met Kyle. But today I can look back and I can see his hand through so many of my sufferings. I can see him guiding me to where I am today. I can see how I had to go through all of these things to be who I am. And for that, I give, all, I give God all the glory. I'll never look back. I have no regrets. Because if you told someone who knew me at 14 that this juvenile, delinquent, socially awkward kid who used to have a lisp and mumbled all the time would be here today, do you know what they would say? Impossible. It's impossible. And it is impossible. Every trial, every test, every obstacle is another opportunity for God to show off. And so you are a walking miracle. I am a walking miracle. 
And when you go through pain, when you reconcile your marriage, when you stand up to the test, it shows that God is at work in your life. So will you stand with me this morning? And let's ask God to reveal to us how he is working in our lives and how we might live out our purpose as we leave this place to face a lost, hurting, and broken world. Let's bow our heads this morning. Lord Jesus, I know that everyone here is facing a test, has gone through some tests, and still have tests to face tomorrow, Lord. And first of all, we just thank you for your example. That you stood every test, every trial, every tribulation. And you were faithful, Jesus. Faithful all the way to the cross. Lord, and so first we look to your example. Even more than Joseph's example of what it looks like to stand up to the test, Lord. But Lord, I pray for those who are discouraged. I pray for those who are beat down. I pray for those who who are struggling, Lord, to face the test that's before them, that they would be reminded that you are with them, that you are standing beside them. And they might not know where this is going. They might not see the future that you have in store, but we know that you do. So, Lord, we trust you. We lean into you today. Jesus, and I just pray for anyone here who hasn't surrendered to you, who hasn't been giving you the glory with the way they've been living their life. Lord, that they would come to a place of accepting you as their Savior. Jesus, we give you our hearts today. Speak to us, move in us. We give you the praise. We give you all the glory as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take time to respond and reflect on what God is speaking to us today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.